Jazz live and underway for one last time here at the 2022 World Cup as we take a look at some images from Buenos Aires in the aftermath of one of the most exciting, most dramatic, forget World Cup finals, forget soccer matches, sporting events in human history. And for once, I'm not exaggerating. Alongside Hercules Gomez, I'm Sebi Salazar. What a game. How many times do you think producer Beto had to shift his rundown in the last, like, <laughs> hour and a half? It, it was a solid, <laughs> solid call, by the way, for Thank the Lamericas you, call. Brother. That was uh, you, probably your best one, so mm. good one. Uh, very fluid, the rundown. Yes, <laughs> like way to describe game. it, yes. It, it kept going one way, we thought it would go, then mm -hmm. back to the other, so back to the drawing board, but producer Beto and the production crew did a... a Hell of a job, so we'll try to kick this off the right way. As always. Look, uh, we got a lot to cover in this show. Of course, we're going to be talking about the World Cup final ad nauseum, but uh, we're also going to talk about the awards that have just been handed out. We've got Herc's team of the tournament. We're going to have a little discussion about Mexico's next manager, kind of like we did with the United States. And, of course, we'll finish the show up by uh, checking the mentions, your questions, off of social media. But let's dive right in on not the game, the spectacle that we just witnessed between Argentina and France, a game that finishes up 3-3 after extra time with Argentina winning 4-2 in the penalty shootout. Herc, we'll go over the details in just a little bit. But the conversation right now is very much centering around, is this the greatest World Cup final ever? What do you say? Absolutely. This is the greatest World Cup final I've ever seen. You could say what you want. Well, 1934, a year ago I had a barn burner. <laughs> Ball was brown, different time. You didn't have this type of star power. You didn't have this type of display, this type of back and forth. Mm -hmm. The storylines, the narratives that were building, the, the dos a cero in favor de Argentina, yep. and how that quickly changes. The passing of the torch that we saw tonight yes. from one superstar to another, one all-time great Shirley to another Shirley all-time great. What we witnessed was historic, and I'm upset I just wasn't there in person. Yes, we tried. We were keeping an eye on the tickets. I almost pulled the trigger at $2,400. Here in Doha, and the tickets, man, they Didn't were climbing all day long, <laughs> and in the end, Hey, just, uh, we're too rich for our blood, but what a game. What performances from both Lionel Messi, Kylian Mbappé. We'll talk about those in just a little bit. But I think what's really fascinating about this is the seesaw of emotions that it was. Like, there was one point where you thought, oh my goodness, Argentina's going to cakewalk this. And really, you might have felt that way for most of the 90 minutes. France doesn't find their first, forget goal, shot on goal until Mbappé's penalty in the 80th. And then all of a sudden, in 60 seconds, it's 2-2. Yeah. I mean, you have to credit both sides. One, France for the comeback, and two, Argentina for their own comeback. Because emotionally, at 2-2, they must have been devastated. And we haven't even talked about extra time. We've seen this before from Argentina. We mm. saw it actually in the uh, Netherlands game. I know. They had to dig in and do the exact same thing. And it's so difficult emotionally. The, I call it emotional paralysis, mm. how that can set in. Teams freeze. Yeah. They don't know what to do. They can't dig themselves out of that hole. The team who has the momentum usually overtakes them and wins. Yeah. That wasn't the case. If I could ask you for one word to describe this tournament that I think fittingly describes this final, what would it be? Unpredictable. Unpredictable? It's a good word. What would you go with? Emotional. 
Yes, I mean... I, I've never experienced emotions. It's just all types of emotions. I mean, off the field, on the field, yes. the twists and turns, where your heart goes, but your eyes are telling you, I can't be. Yeah. And, can we, and can we acknowledge, too, we don't really have a dog in this race. You don't have any you no. know, Argentina background, France background, that I know of. Uh, no. I don't either. Los I mean, Altos Jalisco, baby. Yeah, we no have France. some friends, maybe. Um, I think we all love Lionel Messi. I don't know how you could be a football fan and not appreciate right. and want him to have had this moment. But even as neutrals, um, the tension, the emotional roller coaster. I actually don't like Argentina. Really? I kind of dislike Argentina. Bold statement at this time, no, but go me, ahead. Let, I'll let, let you let be the finish. bad guy. I actually dislike Argentina. Um, the and the, I, the I, soccer I, team, not the country. So, okay. Beautiful country, yeah, beautiful okay. people. I'm talking yeah. about that's football. Okay. And their culture. Footballing culture. Yes. Yeah. Okay? I actually dislike Argentina in that way. But when it comes to... Can I ask what specifically? Well, historically, just, historically in football, mm -hmm. um, they're arrogant. They're, they're a bit pompous with their game. Three World Cups now. Okay. Is it arrogance sure. or confidence? The Brazilians aren't really that way. And they got five, Penta. But, but what I'm trying to say is, in Latin America at least, mm. they're seen as, footballing-wise, looking down on the rest. Okay. So there's, there's a reputation that goes with it. Mm -hmm. But I felt myself pulling for them. Right. And it was it cheering messy? Cheering for them. It's messy. It's messy. It's messy. Yeah. And yesterday I was trying to pick my words wisely with Moria here. Yeah. Where I said, Messi's the anti-Argentinian. He doesn't act Argentinian. He, he's of a different cloth. And I think that's... That hurt him early on yeah. with Argentina, for him to be fully accepted with Argentina. But I found myself pulling for Argentina because of Lionel Messi. Well, oh, I think what you talked about in terms of, you know, when you mentioned the, the comeback that they allow Netherlands to have in the quarterfinals, there's kind of a, a gutsiness yeah. to blowing a two-goal lead yeah. and then not losing. And, not, and they've done that now twice in this tournament. And I think one of the points you're making about Argentina here is there's skilled players. There's, there's great players in this 11 for Argentina, no doubt. But there is something emotionally very powerful about how they play for the shirt. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what comes through in those gut-check moments. I don't know that people will look back on this Argentina team and say that it was the, the best squad at this World Cup or maybe even the best 11. But they were the toughest, the hardest. And I think that's what's always defined Argent Argentina's football for me, is that there's a, a fire. Oh. Sometimes it's a fire that crosses the line, you could say. Yes. But it's, it's a fire. It's a determination. It's a win-at-all-cost mentality. Attitude. It's an attitude. And Messi, I think, has had that mentality, but he's not been outward with it. And maybe that's why it took a long time for, for those in Argentina who always held Diego Maradona in that one specific light to you know, to, to appreciate him. Let's get back to the game here because the 90 minutes was spectacular. You could say unprecedented. Beyond that, for me, the extra time, which is, which is only a half hour, was the opposite of what you would expect from extra time. I, I mean, always when we go to extra time, not always, a lot of times you expect and then what plays out is two teams that don't want to make the mistake that ends the game. And while maybe they don't want to go to penalties, they're okay with it. They're kind of relieved, right? Yes. So... Not only do we get two goals, right? We, we get Messi's what looked like a game-winning goal off his right foot in the 105th minute, which is shocking in its own way. And then you get Mbappe from the spot at, what, like 118 He's or whenever third. that falls. Yep, third. Exactly, exactly. A hat trick in a final for Mbappe. And beyond that, man, 
there was a million chances for both teams to win. Uh, Lautaro Martinez came on. He had two, for me, very clear ones in the extra time. Colomani, the save from the Dibu save Martinez. From Dibu Martinez is the save of the tournament right there. That that saves you. That saves you mm -hmm. the trophy. That allows you to go to penalties. And then once you were in penalties, and we kept hearing this a lot, mm -hmm. there's no way that Dibu's going to lose to Ugo Lloris. And why, I thought Ugo Lloris had a very good tournament, but we heard it all along. There's no way that Dibu Martinez is going to lose in a penalty shootout to Hugo Lloris. And, and that was the case. That really was the case. Dibu, again, being a factor in extra time, being a factor in regular time. Dibu, again, being a factor in the penalty shootouts. But did this man really score four penalty kicks today? Three penalty three kicks. Three penalty yeah. kicks, thank you. Yeah. There's three. Yeah, because, yes, that's right. He had a golazo. I mean, after, I mean the volley was spectacular. In step and with, with Let me ask pace. you, um, between Argentina's second goal and France's second goal, which one are you taking? Because they're both, I think, great finishes, but they're also great team goals for me. Argentina's second goal was a Contra very nice golpe. counter, yes. Which Leo uh, puts out to, I believe, was McAllister. McAllister to McAllister has the actually the lot the assist, the actual assist, yeah. and Di Maria very calmly slots it away. Actually, it's funny if you look at the play, Di Maria doesn't hit it as well, which makes it a great shot, right? Because it, it boom, boom, goes into the ground Lodis. and over yeah. Lodis, uh, which is brilliant. And, yeah. and, and do you think he meant to do that? Because if Chicharito uh, does that, and he did that at the 2018 World Cup, you, people are saying he scuffed it. You never mean to hit into the ground like that. Okay. You, you don't mean to top it that way. Right. Um, but he meant to be dangerous. Yeah, I know, I know what you're That's what I saying. always say. Yep. He meant to be dangerous. So that's what you got to do. But at some point, we're going to talk about yes. Di Maria's effect in the game. But just the, the, the finish was a brilliant way to cap Which off one that you goal. Taking? I'm taking Mbappe. Yeah. It just, it's okay. just the difficulty level, the degree of difficulty there, um, the moment, yeah. how tense things were, how quickly things had shifted and changed. It, it was unlike anything I've ever seen. And the emotion I was feeling in that moment was like, this can't be. This, uh, there's no way this just happened. We keep coming back to this word emotion. I wonder what role you might think the crowd played in that. Obviously, we weren't in the stadium. We were not. You don't have enough clout to get us tickets. That's very clear. Well, we had to be here at a certain hour. <laughs> you're right. You're right. We had to work. We had to work, unlike the rest of them. Um, but every time you would see a shot on television, like... You're like, where are the French fans? It was all Argentina jerseys. Yes. And then let's let's pull back the curtain even more here. We're in the middle of Doha, right? We're surrounded by big screens, watch party events. When France would score, you'd hear a little, a little kerfuffle. Yes. When Argentina would score, it was like we were in Buenos Aires. Everybody was going kerfuffle. wild. They were going wild. Do you but think that impacted impacted the game? The, the emotional intensity of the crowd and the fact that it was so pro Argentina, especially I'm thinking the in that opposite. first half. Let me well, let me let okay. me. Okay. The opposite reaction mm -hmm. influence. Now, let, let me explain this, okay? The Argentina goals were overwhelming. But for me, not as overwhelming as the silence. Mm. Now, I'll explain. Here, outside in our green room, we have a little quad area yep. green room with a bunch of TV screens where we can watch. Our colleagues, Argentina, right. ESPN Argentina, have a specific TV up with a bunch of watch parties they yes. have all over the yep. world with Argentina fans. It's really just all over Argentina and Paris. That's what it is. Right. And I was texting with some friends also in ESPN back in Connecticut, and I sent them an image of how still they were after that second goal. Yeah. And they were still for a good 10 minutes, motionless. That emotional paralysis we talk about with footballers, it was happening with the crowd. And I think that sunk Argentina. It almost felt like that tension 
in the Mexico versus Argentina game, where mm. if they don't win that game, they're possibly out of the World Cup. Yeah. It felt like that. So while as dramatic and exciting and overwhelmingly loud, the goals were for Argentina, I noticed it more in those moments of silence. So let's get to the game-changing moment, because when you have a 3-3 game, a penalty shootout, at least a half dozen moments that we could pick from, right? So for you, what's the one to discuss first? Well, it has to be the penalty kick, right? Which one? <laughs> <laughs> the first one, Angel Di Maria. Okay. Because it changes the dynamic of the game. And I think Is it, it the penalty kick or the call itself? The call itself. Okay. Um, Dembele. Dem Dembele right there. It, it's a very soft it's a very soft penalty kick for my life. I don't like the word soft because it, it's not clear. Do you think it was or do you think I it wasn't? I don't think it was. Okay. I don't think it was. Yeah. Now, you can. this is why I'm saying soft, because you can freeze an image. Look, there's contact. Right. That doesn't tell you the story. That doesn't tell you if contact, it's a foul or not. Contact, also, we should, we should always point out, contact does not equal a foul. Soccer is a contact sport. Correct. Just because there's contact doesn't yeah. mean that it's a foul or that the ref has to give a and foul. And the images we are seeing of the contact is when Angel Di Maria is already going down. Angel Di Maria, what's the word that More Beltran used? Callejero, no? Callejero. Like, He's got that street in yeah. him. So, so he feels contact. He goes down. I thought it was... Uh, very, very soft. Regardless, Messi steps yeah. up to the spot, does what he does, excuse me, steps up to the spot, does what he does, finishes off the play, but it changes the complexion to this mm -hmm. game, Seb. And I remember as this game's going along, I'm thinking to myself, man, this French team looks second best mm -hmm. at everything. Yes. And the most important things that you least have to have in a game is the emotion, the intensity. Certainly for a final, right? You, don't, final. you don't play finals. You win them or you so lose them. So my mind starts circling like... Injuries, the virus mm. that that, that the, uh, the club went through, the team went through. I'm sorry, um, where at least five were affected that we know yep, of. Yep, yep. Could have been a lot more. They looked a bit lifeless. But then, how, you know, but th the question then is, how, did how they? do they have enough energy to, to make the comeback? Moment number two for me. Okay. It's the substitution. Yeah. There's a substitution at the 41st minute mark. That's what my moments are. The things I have circled here are not get plays. They're subs okay. for both teams. Okay. 41st minute. Mm -hmm. It's Giroud comes out. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it's Dembella come out. Mm -hmm. 41st minute. Mm -hmm. In their place, Duram, and in their place, uh, Colomwani. Colomwani, who was brilliant, by the way. So, why does that happen? 41st minute. Certainly, Deschamps could wait three minutes right. and sub them at halftime. Why take, up your, take off your players right before the half? It's the message you are sending. It's the message you are sending. I don't see urgency. We need urgency. I need to send this right. message. Like even three more minutes of this could cost us a third goal, and then it's over. It's over. It's Johnny. over. It's right. over. It's right. over. And Kolomowani came on, and he was brilliant. Mm -hmm. Thuram came on, and he was good. I, it really changed the complexion of this game, and you saw it. They came to life more and more in the second half until it happened. Yeah. The goal. And, and we kept saying it. One goal and they're back in yeah. this. It just yeah. felt like that. And they were back in that after that goal. And then from there, it just felt like they started believing again. Uh, France started saying, hey, we have our own playmakers. We don't have to sit and react and watch what Leo Messi and watch what these Argentine players do. We can act and we can react ourselves. So you already mentioned it as far as kind of game-changing moments. We talked about, I think you said, save of the tournament. Divo Martinez on Colomani at the end of the second extra time. 
Um, but I want to bring up a couple other substitutions, right? Because the substitution that you described for France happens at 41. They don't right. get back into the game till 80. Deschamps makes another substitution at 71. He brings on Coman and Camavinga, and it's nine minutes after that that the first goal yeah. falls, and then the second Two goal falls, players. right? So I think that's a substitution that you can point to. There's another substitution, and I want to get your thoughts on this one here, because there's so many times where Mexico has been in this situation where they appear closer to the knockout goal, the goal to knock out the opponent, and have instead, instead of chased that goal, whether it's the second or the third, they've, they've thrown on a defensive player and tried to hold on. Right. So at 64, Di Maria comes off for Marcos Acuna. That's definitely Lionel Scaloni saying, I'm, I'm putting on a defensive player for an attacking player. Yeah. Do you think that- Put him on as a winger. Do you think that shifted the momentum? Yes, because the tendencies I aren't the same. Anybody is going to... Right. Go ahead. I, I think at that point, Argentina was closer to the third than France was to the right. And the thing is, Di Maria is, if anything, going to attack you. Right. 1v1, attack the space. He's going to challenge and ask questions of the back line. Cunha's not going to do that. No. Not at the rate, even if he tries. It's also, to your point, a message to everybody on the yeah. Argentina team, isn't and, it? Oh, well, and the French team. Right. That they, they, These guys want to maintain the lead. They're not looking to finish us off. Yeah. Uh, I don't actually think Argentina had a... Their first, sorry, France, their first shot on goal was at 60, right? So it's four minutes after that. No, I'm sorry. Their first shot was at 60. Their first shot on goal was until the penalty um, at 80. Just to finish up the thought on Angel Di Argentina? Maria. No, France. Oh, sorry. France's yes. first shot on goal yes. was, was the penalty that correct, Mbappe correct, scores. Correct. Uh, just on we the, covered both, by the way. On the Di Maria <laughs> penalty. Are you surprised that VAR doesn't force a second look from... The referee, because yeah. it's because I get the referee making that call in real time. To Di Maria's credit, he's a very, as you say, street smart player. So you know, but he's also cl critically, he's gotten around somebody in the box. He's on the wrong. If you're Dembélé, and I've been there as a defender, because I wasn't a very good defender back in my day, you're on the wrong side of the right. guy in the box. It's the worst position to possibly be in, because anything, any little bit of contact can look like a penalty. So I, I totally get the ref buying that, what Di Maria is selling. What I don't really understand is how a group of referees in the VAR booth, one of which was American, we know. Two, VAR as well, VAR assistant. VAR, well, Ismail Alfa's uh, fourth, fourth official, official, right? Yeah. Um, but in the VAR booth specifically, there's a bunch of referees who are looking at that, and they don't say, hey, you don't want to take another look at it? I, that was surprising I, I, I thought me. it merited a look. Um, like, you just feel better about the call if he's gone over to the monitor and looked. I, Everybody oh. feels better. There's no controversy. Yeah. And especially an Argentine team that has had, I believe it's four penalty kicks called in favor. And Messi had three of those that he scored. Is that it, producer? It's five. It's five, right? Four or five. That's a lot of penalty kicks. Yeah. That's one, a, in e one in each group phase game. Yeah. One against Netherlands. And then today. That's five. And he missed one against Poland. You're right. Yeah. So, so he scored four out of five. That's a lot of penalty kicks for one team. I'm not saying there's any fishing about, fishy about it. Right. They got those attacking players. Um, Beto confirms. Producer Beto confirms. Five is the most by any team ever. Yeah. So you would feel better about it as a whole if they went back and looked at it. Mm -hmm. Now, if he decides, that's, yeah. that's what it's there for, sure. right? Sure. That, no problem. But go back and look at They don't. Di Maria, who was... Absolutely, the right call for Scaloni, a massive call. Right. What was, was it Gab Marcotti said before we went off the air on ESPN2? He, would say, he said the decision was either, would either make Scaloni a king or a fool. King. Right. King. Why was it so 
Well, let's get to that. Yeah, no, let's get to that now. Why don't we take? We'll take a look at the uh, at the Argentine eleven from from the start here, and it's the big gamble, isn't yeah. it? It's because that's really why it's a king or a fool. One, the Maria's missed time with what is a muscular injury, right? A quad. We know Di Maria's history. Yeah. This is a final. Now, it's a final in the era of five substitutes. Right. So maybe it allows Scaloni a little more breathing room there, a little more chance to take the risk. But it's still, right, a huge gamble to put that player out from the starting gun. Let me just talk about how tactically intelligent Scaloni was. Mm -hmm. Against Van Gaal, Mir changed to a line of three center backs, line of five. Lisandro Martinez into the, into the def defensive uh, uh, back five. And he mirrors Van Gaal, and it works. Against Croatia, I need more midfield depth. I need to nullify the trio that Croatia has in the midfield and how good they are. So it's four central midfielders, uh, Enzo, DePaul, it's, it's McAllister, it's Paredes, to nullify them. Today, I need to attack Theo Hernandez. I need to attack that side. I need to do something to ask questions of them, and that's something he did. Um, it was brilliant in the fact that he knew exactly what he would get out of Di Maria. He knew that he would ask questions of him. He knew that he would be good on the 1v1. Right. He knew that he would cause problems. And he ended up getting a penalty drawn and a goal from Di Maria. So yeah. it was absolutely the right call. And I think if you, if you want to look at the kind of core of this Argentina team, like we focus on the superstars and they are of a certain age. But we talked about it watching the game. There's a lot of young guys on this Argentina team. A World Cup final is a pressure-packed situation. Beyond the, the what he brings in terms of on-the-field ability, there's something about Angel Di Maria in finals Big based moments. on his playing resume that, that I think transmits a sense of confidence to the younger guys on that team and allows them to get off um, to the start. Back to the point about the 11. There was a huge discussion. We had it here on this show with Morena Beltran about does Scaloni go with two center backs or does he go with three center backs? Also, and you mentioned the show that we did pregame with ESPN FC. Julian Laurent said he wanted, wanted Argentina to play with two center backs. He was scared that Argentina would play with three center backs because he thought that would be more, you know, that would be more effective in terms of nullifying the, right. the French attack, specifically Mbappé. I think this is... This is something different than what I thought Scaloni was as a manager. I thought he was a guy who, more often than not, would set up his team, as good as they are, as good as the players they have, to stop what the other team does. I think he made a choice here. He made a gamble here. He said, you know what? I'm going to go with two center backs, which is going to allow me, correct me if I'm wrong, to do more going forward, to be more the protagonist than maybe I have been and that I've chosen to be in other games. And that, I think, also transmits a, mes a message to the team. And in a final, there was clear that one team was out of it to start and one team believed they were going to win in the first half. And I think that comes down to specifically that decision from Scaloni. If he goes three center backs, he's saying, we're adjusting to France. I'm worried about Mbappé. When he goes two center backs, he says, we're going to go after this team. We're going to attack them. And it wasn't just, oh, the, the, the penalty was a casualidad that Argentina happened to be down at that end. Dibu Martinez didn't do anything no. in the first no, half. No, no, they were anything. lifeless. They were lifeless for He told his team, let's go, something minutes. let's go win this final. Yeah. And I love that. I love that. When it comes to Di Maria and Messi, it's, okay, how can they hurt us? Mm -hmm. We see it. How can we hurt them? Mm -hmm. And I think it was a moment of striking first. And, and it was working. If we could strike first, get that goal, 
we will be the protagonist, we will be in charge. That's what he played for, that's what he got, and that's the way it was, literally. There was only one team on the field, and it was Argentina for the majority of that, that game. Right. Everything changes in the latter stages. Maybe Scaloni and, and how young he is, uh, that's when you maybe get in the third center back, maybe shore things up, but you don't expect France to have that type of reaction after being lifeless for about, what, 55, 60 minutes? Yeah. That's, that's a reality. Yeah. Scaloni has been brilliant this tournament. He's been my manager this whole tournament, the, my most favorite manager, I should say. Uh, not because he changes to adapt to the team, but I think he changes to hurt the team, nullify mm. and hurt. Today was a hurt. He knew that Di Maria could hurt the French national team. He knew that Messi was going to hurt uh, France. He was very good about that. And he knew that Julian Alvarez, maybe today wasn't going to have a protagonist role in front of goal. But it was more to work. It was more to uh, wear out a Griezmann. Wear out um, a Rabiot. Uh, many in that midfield. Help there. Make sure that the stars like Di Maria, the stars like Messi, can do what they do because right. it's going to be that type of game. So... They did blow a two-goal lead, yeah. but I think a lot of Argentina fans will say, and I think I even sensed it from the few Argent Argentines that we work with around here that didn't get tickets. I think there's only like one guy sitting over there on the ESPN Argentina set. Uh, they don't mind suffering a little bit. And it was kind of shades of 1986. Diego Maradona's you know, infamous World Cup victory I wasn't comes born in a game. Then, sorry. Sorry? I wasn't born yet. Oh, yeah, right. Well, people can check Wikipedia. They can see... Uh, Wikipedia, that's not an actual They, they got source. where you were born wrong on Wikipedia, but they when you were everything born... everything on Wikipedia when wrong. When you were born... Whoever uh, did my page hates me. I think they got it wrong. <laughs> but in that final as well, you know, they, they have a lead, they blow it, and eventually yeah. uh, kind of come back to win it all. So that's the Argentina side of things. I think maybe some time to talk about France and their performance. I'd like to take a look at, at the starting 11 for France, because I think... I don't know if there's questions, Herc, for Didier Deschamps, Maybe it was really truly just what was available. Right. But when you see a French team that is so dynamic start so badly, I think it's worth pointing out. Of the 10 field players that started this game, six had dealt with either flu-like symptoms, and those are the ones I'm, I'm saying that we, we knew about, right, yeah. reported, or injuries in the immediate lead-up to the final. And I just wonder, Herc, if there wasn't a little... I'm not making excuses for the French team, just realities. If that didn't play a part into the slow start, and maybe even the performances, specifically from Olivier Giroud, who gets pulled in 41. We never heard anything yeah. about Dembélé as an injury doubt, but Giroud we did hear late last night, Lekeep reporting that he suffered a knee knock in training that could affect whether he started this game or not. Clearly Deschamps went with him, and clearly he wasn't the same guy we saw the rest of this tournament. Yeah, clearly if you look on paper, What's available, that's the best squad that they had for selection, mm -hmm. right? Same back four, same three in the middle, uh, same three up front. But where I thought they had an advantage, at least heading into this game, presuming everybody was healthy, mm -hmm. no injuries, no illness, no viruses, things like that, etc., turned out to be the opposite. So I thought them resting versus Tunisia... Mm. resting players would right. be a benefit to them because while most teams are coming in having played seven games or into their seventh game, excuse me, and some overtimes, if you will, they weren't. They were fresh. But then Argentina has one more day of rest and you get sick and then you have some injuries. You could say those are excuses and, and sure, Argentina did their part. You know, Ian Dark responded to my tweet about, um, you know, wondering if, if they're still carrying the flu-like symptoms or this virus and he responded Argentina is the virus mm. okay Argentina was good right give them their credit
but you saw a lack of intensity. Yeah, I mean, this, when you're not well, isn't that and, the first thing to go? Of course, and you're not well, and you're coming on to your seventh game, yeah. and you're dehydrated, and you're knocked up, and, and it feels like everything is on top of you emotionally because right. of what's going on in the game. That is normal. It's a reaction. in a way match. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It feels like you're in La Bombonera, eh, Monumental, whatever you want to be. It, it just it felt like everything was against them, but the reaction was brilliant. Yeah. So in the first half, we mentioned zero shots on goal, zero shots, period. Um, and then in the second half, what I think really, and I know it's only like 10 minutes, but it's really for me after that second wave of subs at 70. So it's really the last 20 minutes of the game. And then I think it affects all of extra time when the game really opens up. You saw what France has that forget that Argentina doesn't have it. I don't know that there's another team in the world that has as much of it as France does, and that's speed. Speed kills, and you always say, the, and I hate to say you're right, but you always say, say the international game is a young man's that's game. Right. I think a lot of the, what you're saying there is it's an athletic player's game, it's a speed game, and I mean, when Especially you got Colomani on, yeah. when you got Turam on, when you got Mbappe on, I mean, these guys Coleman. were, yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was like a track meet. It really was, and they're so dangerous. Uh, I, I keep saying that they changed the game. Mm -hmm. um, at least they give you a blueprint of what you can do in a World Cup setting, a tournament setting, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. If you have young, dynamic, explosive players, yes, you've got some great talent. Nobody's denying the talent. But look at Morocco, you know? with a vertical style of play, intensity, sound technical players. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you don't even need to have a ton of world-class players. You can create a lot of problems. You look at France, they've got that. I mean, they've got that Real Madrid DNA where they defend mm -hmm. and you're like, how is this team winning right now? And then yep. they score another goal and yep. another goal. You're like, well, there it is. You definitely say that about the quarterfinal as well, right, against England? But they've got some very special players, and they all have one thing in common. They've got that game-breaking speed. And when you're a veteran or just any player, and you're going out to your fifth, sixth, seventh game in a tournament setting, and then you see these guys running at you, right. it's a lot to deal with. And again, just to kind of finish the thought on France here in terms of who wasn't available or who wasn't totally fit, we have to acknowledge the guys who, for me, would have been 100% surefire starters in this team that are injured either in the immediate buildup or the months leading into this tournament, right? First and foremost, Karim Benzema, who we know there was a big discussion Maybe about. Maybe not a starter, but he's a huge player, right? Benzema? I mean, look, Giroud. No, 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 but Giroud never starts the tournament as the starter if Benzema's available, I believe. I believe that in my core, of course. Well, you don't bring you could, Benzema on to... You could, be, you could believe you that. You don't bring Benzema to the World Cup to sit him on well, the bench. I'm just saying, no, I'm just saying, Benzema... You believe, you believe that... Benzema would have started Giroud over Benzema? Yeah, I do. I do. No. Benzema's played two tournaments with Didier Deschamps, and ah, neither of them has passed quarters. Not now. And, yeah, but... And with Giroud, he's been in how many finals? Three. Three. So... Oh, this was the third, yeah. Yeah. So, there's something to be said there, how the team can move. That's a different conversation, but I agree with what you're saying. He'd be a big player. Yeah. So, you can continue with the list. Sure. Pogba, Kante, Kimpembe. I think all those... All those guys are starters, sure. and, and it speaks to the depth of this French, beyond this squad, the program, that the, the football in France is churning out high-end talent who plays in their, at a ridiculous look who plays in, in front of them, pace. or right now, because they're not here. Sure. It was Chouameni, who's with Ramali. Yeah. Kamavinga comes onto the game yeah. right here, you know? Yeah. Coleman, who's at Bayern. It's just so many different players that are mm -hmm. maybe not impact players today, but are certainly the future of world football. Yeah. All right, who's your man of the match? 
Who is my man of the match? Well, I mean, there's only two it could be, right? Yeah. Well, you could maybe give it Dimo Martinez. Yeah, you could you give a or shot. Di Maria. To yeah, even Di Maria, but yeah. it's it's Lionel Messi. Okay, it has to be Messi. It, it, it's a fitting. What did you think of his performance? And then we'll get into his legacy. I, I kept jokingly like writing down, "It is written." Right. 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 On Twitter, it is written. Like this was supposed to be the send-off for Messi. This was supposed to be the way it happened. If you wrote this as a Hollywood script, they would have rejected it because... It's not believable. It, yeah, it was too fantastical. No way. He's 35 yeah. years old. He's going to come back and do this. And oh, and it's going to be a 3-3 final, and, you yeah. know, France is going to get sick. With the young gun yeah. coming through, yeah. the new idol, and he scores a hat trick, and they still lose? Yeah. They still? Yeah. No. Yeah. No, it's not going to happen. But it has to be Messi, and... It was always going to be Messi. Mm -hmm. Messi, who had a record before this final of five finals played, zero goals, zero assists, comes into this final and involved in every goal they had. Two goals, one with his right foot, which you almost never see. Right. And in extra time. And I mean, what a moment. Time. And, and not a messy goal, a rebound, a crashing. A gritty yes. fight, spirit yeah, type that. of goal. It, it was the anti-messy mm -hmm. that we've seen before yep. in finals. A pressure-packed penalty early on. Yep. That Very cool. Calm. Yep. Yeah. And then in the, in the beautiful goal for Argentina, the second one, if not for his double touch there in midfield. He starts to play. He starts to play. Yeah, He absolutely. starts to play. I mean, everything seems to come off uh, his boot. I do want to pat myself on the back. He did cover the two shots on goal book it that I had yesterday. You picked uh, Kylian Mbappe, two shots on goal. That's right. Nailed that. Yeah. The ones that we lost, we won't bring up, right? Where do we, oh, the under. You, you, you took the under, which, uh, which is way off. I said you wanted to. Uh, and I actually had a messy assist. Which was foolish because I've been hammering messy goal all tournament, uh, and that would have uh, obviously paid off. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Uh, by the way, just as, as far as Messi goes, and maybe this can kind of take us into the legacy talk, I think we can focus very much on this performance in the final, and it is historic and it is everything. But if we go back to one of the moments where Argentina's World Cup was on the thinnest of ice, it's in the second half against Mexico. Right? It's in the second half against Mexico after they lose to Saudi Arabia in the first game. If they don't win that game, and even if they tie that game, things are looking very different for Argentina, right? Because maybe they don't get out of the group, but even if they do after a tie, it's most likely as the second place team, which is going to change your route. And I think if we look you at the face France, if we look at that bracket, they were on the right side of it for them, right? If we take that goal in the 60th minute, what is the weight of that goal now? When Mexico was literally 
throwing, was not playing football, was throwing everybody they could behind the ball in an effort to limit Argentina and very specifically limit Messi, and he still found a way, and he beat whatever you want to say about Memo Choa. One of the greatest shot stoppers in Mexican goalkeeping history. Yeah. And a guy who takes his game to the next level in the sure. World Cup. And in the game before, he'd proven Absolutely. it from the penalty spot against Robert Lewandowski. And Messi beat him from outside the box. To me, we want to talk about all the plays of the tournament. Don't forget that one. Because without that one, Argentina probably doesn't make this run. Well, if Argentina doesn't win that game, they can't tie. If they tie that game, it goes at the chance. They only go... I mean, they, they, it's a do-or-die game against Poland, and, and Mexico and Poland could both go through mm -hmm. uh, with five points. It, it would have been over. That was the game. It was the game, ironically, for Mexico. Uh, for, excuse me, Argentina. And Argentina going into this would have never thought that. Now, this is where... Let me just go off base really quickly. This is where I take issue with those that say, on any given day, we can beat anybody. When they say... Hey, World Cup, is it possible? And they say, on any given day, we can beat anybody. You're saying my argument when I say no, 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 anybody no, no, can win the World no, Cup? No, no, no. And this is not a shot at Greg Berhalter because he's not the first one to say it. Right. Yes, on any given day, you can beat anybody. Mm -hmm. Saudi Arabia just beat the World Cup champions. Mm -hmm. Saudi Arabia beat Argentina. Yeah. Can you do it five out of seven? Sure. Because that's what you will need to do. Yeah. And, that, and as you and get that, to the knockout rounds, that, fourth, that bar fifth, gets sixth, higher seventh, and higher. Yeah. have to be in a row. Can you and do that? Really good opposition. And against opposition. better opposition yeah. every single time. That is the difference. There's been some doubts for some people about where Messi stacks up in the conversation of the greatest of all time. Where does this performance and this result leave him in your eyes? You know how when we have a discussion about Pele, and you have to go, well, what I've seen of him, mm -hmm. the videos I've watched, right. what I can see in YouTube, Maradona, well, I was like four years old, so what I saw in documentaries, what I saw in old footage, what I saw on YouTube, that's always the argument, right? And then you see that, and you're like, yes, good in their time, yes. Now we're going to be those, mm -hmm. those people. In 20 years, in That got years, to see... Right. Lionel Messi do what he did for 15 years. Pelé didn't do that. Not at this level. Yep. Not in Europe. 100%. Maradona didn't do that. Not like this. Any single thing you could try to hold over, hold over Lionel Messi's head as to why he's not the GOAT, he just kicked it back in your face. Yeah. All these records. It's easier to try to pick a record he doesn't have than to name all the records he does have. Yeah. He's that player right now. He is the greatest of all time. All he needed, needed for the naysayers was a World Cup trophy, and he has that right now. Can't say anything to this, man. He's the greatest player that I've ever seen. Yeah. For me, the greatest of all time. I'll go with you, the greatest I've ever seen. And I know there's some Madridistas here in the production department. This 100% ends the Messi v. Cristiano Ronaldo debate, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean... If anyone was holding on to that... I don't... I, Cristiano's an unbelievable player. Yeah. Cristiano wins the World Cup. You take him from in that top five and you shuffle him around probably somewhere in that top three, right? This shuffles Messi around in that top five to number one. That's the difference. I'm a huge Cristiano fan, but what Messi has done and done for so long and actually 
give Cristiano credit because if Cristiano's not in this era, totally. Messi oh cleans house oh in, in the Ballon d'Or. Oh and it's gosh. probably because of Cristiano that Messi is that much better. You don't go faster unless you have the rabbit chasing you. Mm. Or unless you have a ch rabbit to chase, excuse me. That's a reality. You don't get there unless somebody's nipping at your heels. Competition brings out the best. And I think in Cristiano, he found that, that foe. He found that nemesis that could bring it out of him. But this is insane. It's a fitting way to end a legendary career. I don't know if we'll ever see anything like it. I mean, Kylian Mbappé just made two finals by the age of 23. And him and Erling Haaland, Erling Haaland and Kylian Mbappé are the future of the sport. But what Cristiano and Messi have done, they made it practically impossible to right. repeat. Yeah. I don't think there's a thing that you can point to any longer other than your personal preference. That's it. To say that Messi's not And even the then, you're denying the numbers. Time. Right, you're that's denying what I'm saying. the statistics. There's nothing anymore. No. Like, you could say, well, Pele won three World Cups, or Pele did this, scored a thousand goals. But if you really take a look at the statistics of Messi's career, they back up everything we've known everything. for 15 years from the eyeball test, yes. which tells us he's just different. He's an alien. He's from another planet from, in a footballing sense. You just, it's something we've never seen, and I don't think we'll ever see it again. I mean, the closest thing is Maradona for me, and, and the, the comparison it falls apart when you talk about the longevity. It and, doesn't and even it, come close. It's like, yeah, it, it's like it, three he, times the career. Unreal. Yeah. And more European accolades. I yeah. mean, what, what Maradona did with Napoli is insane. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever seen that. Go to a place yeah. that's not known for doing anything and, and make them contenders to Serie A championships. But you didn't dominate Europe the way Messi did. You didn't do what Messi did for 15 straight years. And Messi did it drama-free. Well, not quite drama-free. There was always drama. There was well, always tension. you know what but, I mean. Uh, yeah. Different characters. It's funny that Argentina has produced not just two of the greatest players of all time, but two very similar greatest players of all time, right? Like, I think if you compared, like, Pelé and Ronaldo, you might... You might you know, original Ronaldo, you might find some differences. Uh, if you wanted to throw, like, Cristiano Ronaldo and Eusebio, and you would find some differences. But for me, Messi and Maradona, it's like 1.0 and 2.0, right? But, and I think More put it really well the other day when she was on this set, Morena Beltran. She said, this is like this is the, the one time where you can point and say, this is, this is how you explain two gods, right? Right. And right. You can have different gods. Argentina has, what she said. Uh, has provided both of them. So you say that this Hercules Gomez is uh, a fitting crown for a king at the end of his career. But we know Messi's not done. He's still not. under contract at PSG. Oh. Do you think the fact that he's now won this World Cup title makes him more likely to be, oh, I don't know, at Inner Miami in six months' time? Absolutely. What else you got to play for? I mean, what else can you do? What, what other motivation do you have? You've done it all. You've been the best for 15 years. Mm -hmm. What are you holding on to if you're Leo Messi? I think this was the affirmation he needed, the confirmation he and his family needed to say, you know what? It, it, it's time. I owe football nothing. I want to enjoy myself. Now, that doesn't mean he's treating MLS as a retirement league, but it does mean he understands where he's going right. and what he's going for. He's ready for a different chapter in his life. Right. I don't think there's anything holding him in Europe. 
if the moment ever were to be perfect, it is perfect now. I almost feel foolish asking this. Go, go ahead. Does he make Inter-Miami MLS Cup favorites even if he comes halfway through next season? If he plays like this? <laughs> I mean... I mean, but this is the thing. It, it's, it's so physically and mentally difficult for, to do it for seven I, days but he, in 30, yeah. or seven games in 30 days. Imagine doing it for 34 weeks, soccer Saturdays in Dallas and cross country well, travel playing on turf, to I'll play on turf. <laughs> and, and then you gotta have guys like us questioning him. You know, oh, he didn't play well this week. I mean, it's, I'm sure it, that'll bother him. That, yeah, well. He's had naysayers his whole career. Well, you, you'd be surprised. Slotan and Wayne Rooney's people are up in there. Oh, yeah. They were up in our... Yeah, they weren't very know. happy with us. Uh, no, no. But what I'm trying to tell you is... What I'm trying to tell you is... To stay that motivated is yeah. difficult enough in such a short span. Uh, he's definitely so successful and has achieved so much because of that hunger. Will that hunger still stay the same when he's at Inter-Miami? I have my doubts. Why? I mean, he's he's a different character. So it's it's like when a team wins a championship. I can see him because I can... It's like a team winning a championship. The odds are less the next year, right? Because that allure wears off, that mentality, that hunger. Mentally, you're drained. Physically, it's it's been... An, uh, you know, a physical and emotional mess. You're just ready to recharge. I don't know if at his age, <laughs> and yes, I'm being serious right now, Inter is in his plans to be that type of player for them. Yeah. You know, he's going to be a very good player and a game changer in Major League Soccer, but I don't know if that converts him automatically because of the style of football within the league into automatic favorites. But you know what he's always been? Hmm. He's always been a winner. Maybe right. he doesn't make him automatic favorites. And he'll but be 36 next year in the... He's a winner. Humid and that guy's going to be a winner when he's 46. Hey, absolutely. It don't matter. Absolutely. He's, just got, uh, he's got that dog in him. Uh, time now to take a look back because we've had a great time talking about the final, but let's go bigger picture now and take a look back on the tournament as a whole. Thanks to uh, everyone who was involved to, uh, to make this World Cup the best World Cup uh, Ever. Where I, I don't think I've ever seen, you know, countries come together like we've seen in this World Cup. We are defending values, we are defending human rights, we are defending rights of everyone. And just a real family atmosphere around Qatar throughout this World Cup from day one has been really incredible. It's not about prohibiting or not prohibiting, it's about respecting regulations. And that's what we did. My favorite thing of this World Cup is seeing people together. I don't think I've seen a World Cup like this before. Outside of the match and the field of play, well, everyone can express his views and opinions the way he wants. But let's give this moment of joy to those who want to enjoy the game. All right, Gianni Infantino, he's had a lot to say in recent days on Friday. He was telling us all about the numbers at the 2022 World Cup. $7.5 billion in revenue. He didn't mention the $220 billion that Qatar spent to host this event. Uh, a couple days ago, Infantino had nothing but praise for the hosts as well. It's worth mentioning as the on-field product. Here's Infantino, as well as David Beckham. Unanimous praise of the FIFA Council for this World Cup, for the unique, cohesive power 
that this World Cup has shown. The thanks to uh, everyone who was involved, to, uh, of course, uh, Qatar, uh, all the volunteers, workforce, all of you, everyone who has contributed to make this World Cup the best World Cup uh, ever. The best World Cup ever, Herc. You telling Gianni Infantino to get lost, or is he speaking truth? All right. Is he talking on field? Yes. I guess so. I don't know. No, he, he talked about all the workers and volunteers, so I guess he's talking about off-field fan experience. David Beckham talked about how the fan experience was so great here in Qatar. I'm sure David oh, he Beckham did that had, for a, free? He had a I'm sure he had a real fan experience. I'm sure David Beckham was on the Metro today when it went down. <laughs> yes, it did go down. Uh, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You can, and you will have to take into account all the off-field stuff, right? Mm -hmm. If you want. Uh, and I'm sure many people will go that route. How much did Qatar spend? $220 billion. $220 billion. Not Johnny Infantino's money, not FIFA's no. money, so it's right. a success in their eyes. Um, let me concentrate on the field. Sure. Okay? Let me give the players their due really quickly. I've never seen a World Cup like this or heard about a World Cup like this. Because when you're our age, you've not watched all the World Cups. Mm -hmm. And there's not footage of all the World Cups. And what you can get are glimpses or behind... The scenes glimpses of said World Cups or snapshots, shouts, excuse me. But the most goals in a World Cup, this World Cup, star power, this World Cup, narratives, Messi's last dance, Cristiano Ronaldo's possibly last dance, the passing of the torch to Kylian Mbappe, the first African semi-finalist in history in Morocco. Massive upsets. I'm talking about Japan wiping out not only Germany, but Spain. Morocco wiping out a whole Liberian Peninsula that included Spain, Portugal. Who else did it include there? Well, they didn't get past France. They didn't get past France. No, they had they one moving more. Up, Belgium. Moving up into Europe. Belgium. Thank you. That's who I wanted. Okay. Ridiculous. Not on the Iberian Peninsula. No, I close. know, but yeah, I'm know going through there. <laughs> Ridiculous amount of narratives and moments and emotion that I could remember. I don't know if I'd call it the best World Cup because you'd have to watch every single yeah, World Cup yeah. to really. But I can't think of another World Cup that had so many storylines and was so emotional and, and they got people so invested in. So from that standpoint, it was a very good World right. Cup. Um, it's a subjective discussion. It's a barroom discussion. It's a debate that will never end. Objectively, you just saw the stat there. Uh, we saw it from Mr. Chip earlier, our, our great uh, stats guy, at uh, mostly on ESPN Deportes, but has actually a, an account in English on Twitter as well. That's great follow. Before the, before the final, he said, you need six goals in this final <laughs> for it to be the highest scoring World Cup of all time. And before the game, producer Beth and I looked at each other and said, ah, there's no way we get a 3-3. I mean, no, no chance that happens. We literally got a 3-3. It gets to 172. There were 171 scored in 2014, um, 98 uh, as well. Real quick, before we move on, he said that before the finals. So Wasn't it the uh, Switzerland final? Switzerland tournament? No, that's for most goals per game. Ah. Most goals. Um, he said that before the final. So he said that. So we can't be prisoners of the moment if we're going to listen to him there. And the final thought here is, 
it is self-serving propaganda for Gianni Infantino. He wants everybody to say that this is the best World Cup ever because of everything that happened in the lead-up. And I'm not going to brush past that. I'm not going to go through it. But when he says, I want to thank all the workers and volunteers, really? That's what he wants to do. He wants to talk about the workers and volunteers. He wants to talk about the migrant workers. That's where he wants to go while talking about the best World Cup ever. I think if there's anybody who needs to look in the mirror, it's Gianni Infantino. Let's get to the individual awards here because they were handed out just after the final. And no surprise, uh, it was pretty much a clean sweep for Argentina with uh, one exception. So Golden Boot, of course, goes to Kylian Mbappé. He finishes with eight and that hat trick in the final. The first hat trick in a final since Jeff Hurst did it way back in 1966 when her Truly, the ball was brown. Hmm. Everybody else from Argentina. Golden ball, Lionel Messi. What a way to go out. Golden glove, Dibu Martinez. Young player of the tournament. This surprised me. Enzo Fernandez. Not because he's not deserving of, of his flowers, but I would have thought Julian Alvarez, maybe a Jude Bellingham. Uh, are you yeah. cool with it, Herc? The, uh, the end of tournament awards. Any, any gripes there? A few. Okay. Uh, Dibu was very influential to them passing any time they had a knockout round. That's a reality. Um... Lavakovic, I thought, was... Croatia, yep. Yeah, excellent. Excellent. Bono, I thought, had another shout that could have been ahead of him. I mean, literally, Morocco didn't give up more than one goal until the semifinal. Yep. The only gave up one through the first Own goal. Again, the can Canadian the game. Canada uh, did that. Got no issue with the golden ball. I got no issue with the golden boot. Obviously, you can't because they're numbers. Yep. Young player of the year, Enzo Martinez comes in and really plays for the first time uh, versus Mexico. That goal right there had a shot for Julian. Um, Alvarez, yep. Julian Alvarez. I probably would have given it to Julian, even though Jude Bellingham was very worthy. Right. You know? If, if England makes it, you know, one more, one more round, round, you could definitely make yeah. a case for him. So, all in all, you expect this, though. You expect the team that wins to clean shop when it comes to the awards. Especially when it goes down the way that it yeah. did, right? Yeah. Messi has to be the goal. And you can make an argument for Dibu. You yes, can make an 100%. argument for Enzo. Why don't you make your arguments? Why okay. don't we take a look at Hercules Gomez, team of the 2022 FIFA World Cup in Qatar. And I'm sure there were some, some difficult choices Let me for tell you here. who my head coach is, by the way. Ah. Scaloni. Had to be. Livakovic, uh, I took. I, I went with Livakovic even though Bono had a very good record leading up to the okay. semis. Just because Livakovic was, I, I thought, more influ influential in the game. Uh, yeah, I, we'll get into that a little bit more. Theo Hernandez, he was at times a defensive liability, but did so much going down the left-hand side. Assist, the goal, timely goal versus Morocco. Uh, Vardio, in insane to think he's only 20 years old. That's, that's crazy to me. Uh, Saiz, now Saiz... Think about this. Saiz got injured in the knockout round versus Spain and kept playing pretty much to the lead-up in that France game and was the anchor of a team that only gave up one goal heading into the semis for Morocco. Hakimi, he was such a good player. Amrabat, he was one of my favorite players this World Cup. <laughs> sure, surely he's out of Fiorentina. No way he stays there. Griezmann, I thought he was massive. You can make an argument he was one of the better players, if not the best before the final for France. Um, Jude Bellingham was a monster. I've got zero doubts that he will be the highest transfer mm -hmm. of the upcoming window, or summer window, if you will, if they wait for that. Uh, Mbappe, I don't need to say anything there. Giroud, this was so tight between Giroud and Julian Alvarez. And the reason I give it to Giroud is Julian came on late. Right. Giroud, I thought, was influential for France in every single game he played. 
except the final, but I think that's got more to do with his injury. Off the ball, on the ball, scoring goals, he had four goals as well, and then Messi. What can you say a fitting end to a ridiculous career? I'm not going to pick at this too much, but I will note, no Luka Modric? I had a, yeah, that's a tough one. Why? What Where are you going to put him? No, I, it's fair, but it's... You know, I almost... I mean, he, he did get his team further than Bellingham. Yeah. Yeah, I thought... And his team beat Amrabat. I mean, if you want... If you want to take Amrabat for Modric? No. Is that what you're saying? Well, I think these teams of the tournament sometimes are not reflective this of, was like, my hardest decision. setup. And I think what you did there, which I actually kind of like, is you set it up like a real team. Yeah, that's what I yeah. do. That's what I do, Sebi. Uh, this was my most difficult decision because I'm a huge Luka Modric fan. And I'd love to give him a Lifetime Appreciation Award here and say he deserves it for all he is. I think we did that on last night's show. Yeah. yeah. But at times I even thought uh, Basevich and uh, the other player plays with him. I'm drawing a blank. Chelsea player. Este, Mateo Kovacic. Kovacic. I thought he was even better than Luka Modric at times. But Luka Modric, 37 years old, just continue to marvel at his career, marvel how physically gifted he is. Um, to date with that technical ability, that vision, that two-way play. But he just missed out right here. I really had a tough time leaving him out. So you did put uh, two Morocco players that right on the team? Three. Who? Oh, who? You have Saiz, Hakimi, Amrabat. Oh, you threw Hakimi in there too? Yeah. Okay, one of the Morocco players I thought might have had a shout for this uh, is Unahi, the number eight. Yeah. People loved him. Where are you going to put him? Again, I mean, it's hard to take anybody out, but yeah. guy had a solid tournament, had a Ridiculous great tournament. tournament. ZH, I tried finding a way to get ZH in. I couldn't get him either. All right. Okay, we are uh, close to running out of time here on this edition of Football Americas, but we got to end this show by checking the mentions. What have the good people from Twitter brought us here? Because not only did I put out a tweet, you put out a tweet. There was like 30 or 40 suggestions. Let's see where social media takes us, which is always a potentially dangerous journey. Andas. Even though uh, Almada, Thiago Almada, hasn't played a single minute in the World Cup, great shout here. Isn't it still important that a player from MLS is on a World Cup winning team first time? Sure. Uh, it shows that a good there's thing more for MLS? Absolutely. It shows that the level is increasing. If you could have one of your players from your league playing or on the roster because right. he didn't play, but on the actual roster, and he's so young. But to make this team, and he makes it through injury, but he still gets there. It's a huge accomplishment, accomplishment for Thiago Almada and also for Major League Soccer. Shows yeah. you're attracting the right type of players. Not just attracting them, but growing them. I think right. it's really important to point out with Almada, he grows into this role because of the performances in Major League Soccer. That's what gets him the attention. Obviously, they knew who he was, but that's what gets him the attention, his play to break into the squad because he was a fringe player. Like He was not going to make this team. Right. Yes, there's some injuries, but that to me is what, what is really impressive. There was a time when countries like Argentina, Brazil, even countries like Colombia would look at a player in MLS and be like, it's not of the level for us to really consider what you do there as a reason to put you in the national team. Clearly, that's changed, especially if it's changing uh, for a country like Argentina, which we know is now a three-time World Cup champion. All right, next here on Check the Mentions, where has producer Beto decided to take us? Alan, Alan, who's more salty about this game, Europe or Brazil? Uh, Herc, what do you think? Brazil. Yeah, definitely, right? Like, yeah, because if anybody was going to take it from Europe, it was going to be Brazil. It had to be Brazil. And they're, they're rivals. You understand that. I think Europe, I think a lot of Europeans wanted this to almost happen. Because of Messi. Mm -hmm. uh, I saw comments from Gignac, who's a Frenchman, who played on the French national team, saying, yeah, you know, I love France, but 
it'd be great to see Messi mm -hmm. lift the World Cup title. And they're playing against France in the final, right. so I, I think it's Brazil here. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. We saw the reaction from Argentina fans when Brazil was knocked out, so I'm sure the Brazil fans were, were hoping they would get the chance to, to respond in some kind. Obviously, uh, they don't get it. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Look, at the top of the show, we promised you we would do a segment uh, kind of looking ahead to who Mexico's next manager might be. We'll have to leave that uh, for 2023 because we only have a few minutes left here in the show. Uh, and it's time to say some thank yous and farewells. So I want to, uh, first things first, invite everybody from behind the camera to come out here in front of the camera and get your flowers. Uh, because Hercules and I may be the front-facing elements of get the show. Get in here, boys. But we are by far, uh, far and away, not the most important. Let me introduce you to this crew. Uh, we got Jorge, me George, uh, we got me Arturito, Arturito uh, and me Jesus, Jesus, who's an amazing goalkeeper, by the way. We played some great pickup soccer. But look at producer Beto doesn't want to come over. Oh, he's coming. He's going to get his moment. He's going to get his moment. And we've got tons of people in production back home in Bristol, Mexico, L.A. Yeah. that we can't thank enough for their countless hours of work and for dealing pretty much with this guy <laughs> and me. But it, it's been an absolute pleasure, a pleasure and one that I've been thrilled to be part of. And I, I want to make a, a quick point here is when you spend, what was it, 36 days together, um, you don't just need people who are quality at their job. You need people who are good people. And I mean that about the three of you. It's been a pleasure to work with you. And I think the quality of our product has been down to not just your capabilities, um, but your attitude and specifically like what you've brought to the show, the tactical cam. Um, that was not planned for. No. That was something that these guys not just set up, but envisioned, brought to the table, executed on. And every time we would throw to a sound bite, there would be a mad scramble to get that thing down <laughs> in place, get the camera above it. Um, and so as much as we thank the people from ESPN Argentina, and football, ESPN and Mexico. And they stole it from us. Yeah. Well, that's a story <laughs> for another time. Um, you guys really have made our show better. And, uh, Thanks, guys. Uh, I won't soon forget it. Uh, all right. Let's send them back so somebody can, like, punch this thing on, on the way out. Um, as we say goodbye to our technical crew. Producer Beth, are you not going to join us? I really think you should join us here because we are, we are nothing without you. We are a tridente. Um, and it's, it's Herc and I that you see in front of the show. Yeah, but this and, is the Scream team right here. And, and, and I do want to say that uh, a lot of the ideas from this show uh, might come from Hercules. A few of them might come from me. But they're all made better by you. And this show uh, is nothing without you. And I, I've worked with a lot of producers in my, 
17 years uh, on television, and I've never had one that went to the loony bin with me quite like you did. And I'll never forget it. You're the best of the best, brother. You're the best of the best. Yeah, every day. I think that's why we ended up um, in the loony bin. Uh, Herc, any final thoughts here? Yeah, uh, a few. I just want to say thank you. It's been an absolute privilege. Um, Seb and I... Beto's still worried about the clock. Sorry. Always the producer. I'll, I'll only take one minute. Seb and I actually... Um, how this show became about was the first time we met, my wife was pregnant, and I said I was going to go downstairs and have a drink with you and some of the guys at ESPN because we were in San Diego for a San Diego versus Serbia cupcake. USMNT. USMNT yeah. game. And when my wife came downstairs, she's like, why are you yelling? And I was like, this kid, he just doesn't realize that we were arguing. And, and the show like was born there. And it's taken a lot of closed doors, shut doors into our face. Um, for us to get here, but it's been an, an absolute pleasure, and I, I, I couldn't have picked a better dance partner and, and better leader with my man Beto, who he knows I love. Um, he's part of my family. He's on the weekly at my house with my kids, so this really is a thrill for me, has been a thrill for me, and I just want to say thank you. Uh, yeah, I'll finish up here. I think we're always honest uh, on this show, maybe to a fault, uh, but I want to pull the curtain back. We do have some tape specials coming up. Uh, three shows left. Producer Beto knows. He knows everything. So uh, next Thursday, we've got a look ahead to the 2026 roster for Mexico. Then the Monday after that, uh, we've got a look ahead to the 2026 U.S. roster. And then the last show of the year is going to be the top 50 goals. Is that right? Uh, of 2022. Those are all taped. This is the last live show from here in Doha, Qatar. Uh, and it may well be the last live show for Football Americas in kind of our current setup. We don't have to go too far into details. Um, but as this group is made up, we don't know exactly what the future holds. And we'll leave it at that. Um, if this is indeed the end, I want to say thank you to our viewers. Um, and again, thank you to you, Beto. Thank you to you. Um, it's been real, brother. It's been amazing, yeah. and uh, this has been the joy uh, and the honor of my career, this show. It really has. I've, I've had a lot of fortune and success in this, but uh, you got to go because you got to get us off air. But uh, this has truly been the favorite thing I've ever done uh, in front of a camera. So uh, thank you to all of you who have supported it. The ratings have been incredible. You have clearly uh, demonstrated that there's a demand for this product, and, and we couldn't be any more grateful for that. So one last time for our amazing production team here in Doha, the crew back in Bristol, everybody in Los Angeles who worked just crazy, ridiculous hours throughout this World Cup. Nachito, uh, Rafa, Anna, Danny, all you guys. Anybody else? Alejandro Berry, the stats crew. Um, all you guys who Costas, in. my man. The folks in Bristol, Andrew McConville, Costa, Costa, my brother. Uh, Kevin Grosh, uh, all those guys who hadn't worked on this show before but uh, really gave up their time to, to make this show. Um, and to our, to our bosses Tim. as well, Ignacio Garcia, Tim Dwyer, the folks uh, responsible for Ignacio, getting this thing off the ground. Gracias. Uh, thank you very much. And we'll see you on Thursday for the next edition of Football Américas. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network.